Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Rabbit Hole Podcast. I am your host, CSD Fantasy. Hello, Fantasy Faithfuls, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Rabbit Hole Podcast. My name is CSD Fantasy, and I'm flanked by the one and only Nick Faber and our special guest, Philip Caldway. Caldwell, I'm sorry. How are y'all doing go. today? <laughs> I'm yeah, great. Man, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing freaking fantastic. Uh, we unfortunately have a late scratch with Matt, the coin master. He's a better person than me, though. Last minute, Matt. Williams is stuck in traffic, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll see if he can join us in real late later on the show. But Dumpster Dive FF is the Twitter handle of Philip Caldwell. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, Philip, and uh, where people can find more of you. And we'll dig deeper into your numbers later on in the daily topic. So don't spoil too much. You got it. You got it. Yeah, dumpster dive FF. I've been uh, I've been writing fantasy football stuff for for a number of years now, really. And uh, started with a weekly column called Dumpster Diving, um, looking at guys that were owned in only only ten percent of leagues or less. So, you know, really the bottom of the barrel sort of waiver wire additions. And that that happened because I I don't know about you guys, but I was in a dynasty league that just normal waiver wire articles were completely useless for right. Um, so I wanted to start something that, you know, could help people that were in deeper, crazy leagues. So that's where that started. Um, but recently I went more down as we're going to talk about, uh, making, trying to figure out really a good way to nail consistency for fantasy football, but not just like, Oh, cool. That guy scores five points every week. That helps no one, but high performing consistency and so that's where really where my uh, focus has been recently. Put out the consistency collection this summer during the offseason. And I'm joining the guys over at profootballnetwork.com where I'm going to uh, be writing some more fantasy stuff um, and keeping my consistency score metric on there. Oh, that's super interesting. I'm a huge fan of consistency ratings or anything like that. Uh, I have the, my floor rankings and usability. And we had Bob Lung come on the show earlier this year. I think we're... We're all. If you're into fantasy, you love consistency, or you're you're that type of guy who loves like he's gonna give me 45 one week, and then I'm gonna dump him the next right. week uh, type situation. But it, it, it's super interesting, and I love having you on the show. It's gonna be a great one here today. But before we get into today's show, I would like to remind you to hit that like button. Please share it on social media and help us get the word out there. Subscribe if you haven't done so and check out csdfantasy.com for even more fantasy content. Please leave a review on your favorite source for podcasts such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But now, to the news. Kind of miss Matt saying to the news in the background to that drop. Uh, he's always there doing fun stuff. But just one thing that, Nick, you brought up just before we started, before we got into the news rundown, I just it totally blanked on that. Who is Philip Caldwell reminding you on when he's sitting like that in sideways? It's, a, it's that perfect light. It, it kind of looks like the Aaron Rodgers-esque, you know, you, especially right now because he's got that big beard going on. So it's very Aaron Rodgers. When I first jumped on, I thought I was being surprised that we had Rodgers coming on the show. And, <laughs> you know, I wasn't as excited as I was when I knew we had Phil coming on the show, but, you know, I'm still kind of excited. 
Tr- yeah. Trust me, that's a neck up only resemblance. The 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 COVID fifteen is is real, guys. <laughs> no, the, I don't believe it. Like I'm I'm pretty sure every morning you wake up and you're like you do that the belt. You're like I'm here. <laughs> like yes. yeah, yeah. My wife wouldn't make fun of that at all. <laughs> at, at all, right? You like step out the shower, like yes, cook a meal, Another yes. Day. <laughs> got the trash, did it. Just <laughs> lean into oh, it like man. super heavily. You, every time your wife says the something, hell out of my new neighbors. <laughs> wasn't there a guy? Uh, I don't know. Wasn't oh, there yeah. a, guy a while ago who like portrayed being Aaron Rodgers and do like got into a couple events and whatnot? Yeah, it was oh, the my God. some dude I don't from know the UK? This, right, this is awesome. Yes. He like they they looked like brother like not even brothers like twins. It was crazy. He went in the locker room and said stuff to people like teammates of Aaron Rodgers, and they're like, "Yeah, you look a little skinnier." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I've got to look that one up. I never heard about that one. That's awesome. I was this whole time I was like, "Dang, oh that was that was Philip Caldwell." Oh my god, <laughs> I know who that guy is now. I see. Okay. Philip gonna show up on the those little tricycles and bike next not this <laughs> off season but next one you're like yeah right. I didn't I didn't get traded I'm still here <laughs> hold the whole thing and just lean into it with everybody you work with but like have you done the report R- relax just relax yeah. just relax relax <laughs> and have that going crazy but we do have another quarterback to talk about here in the news and it's uh, of course going to be cam newton to the freaking patriots they keep doing things like this that just makes you hate them even more uh, just so like how can you pay this little for a quarterback room in the nfl in 2020 uh, nick what what are your first thoughts for fantasy for cam or just your general opinion on the whole thing because i'm pissed <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, first and foremost, the, the Lions backup quarterback, Chase Daniels, being paid more than Winston and Newton combined, I'm pretty sure I saw. At mm. one I don't have facts on it, but I saw it on Twitter, so it must be right. Um, <laughs> and then in regards to the NFL, right, Cam Newton going to the Patriots, honestly, it doesn't make me all like bump the Patriots up to the number one team in the NFL. I think it's going to be a little bit of a growing you know, curve with Cam, Bill Belichick, how they're going to run that offense, how they're going to run that team. There's a lot of chemistry that needs to come into a quarterback be, uh, joining a new team. Um, there's no way Sid and like, win. like there was a debate on Twitter for a bit on who's better, Cam or Sid, who should start. Cam's going to start. I, I just don't know if that's going to ultimately lead to a ton of wins at the end of the day for the Patriots. But we're not here to talk about the NFL. We're here to talk about fantasy, right? And and Cam Newton coming into fantasy doesn't it doesn't hype me up a ton. Like I do think he's a top fifteen quarterback. Like I, I think he goes in. I think he's above Ryan Tannehill. I would rather have him than maybe Drew Locke. Like I know everyone loves Drew Locke and the weapons around him, but I'm a little bit nervous about Locke this year. And I would probably rather have Cam Newton on my team. But it, 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 what it does is it's a it's a umbrella. And there's there's things that fall under that umbrella, and those things are Sony Michelle. And I think Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry see a little bit of an uptick, obviously, over instead of Stidham being a starter. But I think Sony sees the biggest impact here. If Newton can be a good enough quarterback 
Um, I think that just gives Sony a little bit more holes, a little bit of a better opportunity. I know he had the opportunity with Tom Brady and he couldn't succeed, but this is a year like this is the make it or break it year for Sony Michelle. And I think there's a better chance of him making it with Cam Newton under center rather than Jarrett Stidham or Brian Hoyer or whomever you want to throw out there. Cleveland Springsteen. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you hadn't heard that reference with Brian Hoyer, I can tell. <laughs> But, Phil, how, how do you feel about Cam going there, fantasy-wise and, and football or personal? I really think what what's going to make or break this for, for both fantasy and NFL is whether or not Cam's still mobile. Um, way back when I did a piece when, uh, when um, FF247 was still a thing, and I did a dynasty piece for them on the shelf life of the mobile quarterback. And right about now it, is when – Cam Newton would be kind of reaching that 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 you know pinnacle year of either he's got one more left in him or it falls off a cliff. I found out when those mobile quarterbacks, unless if they completely reshift their game, um, and there was like two I think in the entire study that I did that actually was able to completely reshift reshift their style of play, they just fall off a cliff. And if Cam is hindered at all from you know the prior injuries or just being that many years older or anything like that i think that it's it's not going to be as great for sony michelle as, as it could be right because if they were running the option plays then you know you got to worry about cam you got to worry about sony it's a whole different beast than if you're just really worrying about either play action or run the ball um so i think that his mobility which we're going to have a really hard time seeing in this age of COVID before the season really starts is what's going to really be the deciding factor here. And so that's what I want to see as soon as I can, right? Whether if it's in a preseason game or if it's just in camp or something, I want to see how he moves because if he's not the cam of old, then I think, uh, I think it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other for the Patriots. Yeah, and just to confirm what what Nick was saying earlier, he, uh, Chase Daniels is making more than Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, <laughs> uh, at least with the numbers I have on Cam right now, and he's making like three hundred and fifty thousand more than Winston. Like, what, what are you thirty thirty wow. Winston? Like, come on, he's no, that's <laughs> that's just silly, and it's but it's it's so what I've been thinking with the the quarterback situation and Cam. As as a quarterback and as a person, and what's going on right now with COVID, he he kind of hit the market at the least opportune moment in history for quarterbacks. Usually, if we go back, we can see years where it's like Sam Bradford is the bell of the ball. Everybody wants Sam Bradford, and it's just like throwing away first round picks to freaking move him to Minnesota. You have that type of quarterback like Kirk Cousins being you know, sought after by four or five teams and he can kind of pick and choose where he goes. Cam was kind of left to go nowhere because everybody kind of had their guy or enough of their guy that they did not want to bring in the competition that comes with Cam Newton because you can't have Cam being Ben Ben Roethlisberger's backup. You can't have that. Right. Because – you can't have those two. What is what is the saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. It's it's that whole saying. I feel like that's the the thing here, where New England ended up being the only viable option in the end. 
You had the Chargers drafting a quarterback that they believe in. Nick believes in that Herbert is going to start. They had Tyrod Taylor, who they love. Like, mm, do we want to bring in Cam? Tyrod Aldrin knows the offense. We want to go with our young guy. You had the same, um, not the same, but in Chicago, Foles had to restructure his contract. And you also want to create somewhat of a battle between Trubisky and, and, and Foles. I don't think there would have been a battle with Cam. So you just still, no you're kind of playing both sides of that coin. And it ended up being the natural choice. It was just, it's so infuriating that it ends up being this way. If that makes sense. I don't. I, I do agree with, I don't think the Patriots slots in as number one. But I do think Sony Michel gets a bump. Julian Edelman is somebody who gets a bump for me because I do think even if Cam is not as mobile as before, I think he's a better passer even than than Stidden at this case. Cam's short yardage passing is actually pretty good. It's just when he has to go deep, he's kind of all over the place. He's kind of Josh Allen reminds me of Cam Newton, but that whole like big arm, but you're not really accurate down the field. Right. So I think that Julian Edelman is going to be successful, more successful than he would have been with Stidham or especially Brian Hoyer. Can I jump well, in? Well, one real- other thing to, to just pile on what you were saying about the timing of it. it. It it was the worst possible timing for Cam Newton, too, because he had to pass physicals and nobody could go anywhere. Nobody could get in front of any any team doctors. So not only, you know, did everybody sort of have their guy, but how is he going to pass a physical if he can't travel or if he can't be with the doctors one-on-one and stuff like that? So it, it was just epically bad timing. That's very true. And real quick, I wanted to, I wanted to ask a question. Phil, you said you brought up an article that there was two quarterbacks that uh, were rushers who were able to, to kind of change their game and, and keep fantasy points relevant. Do you remember which two quarterbacks those were? Russell Wilson. Yes. Wait, which one did you say? Russell Wilson. Uh, oh, I wasn't. So thinking. he he actually wasn't um, one of them because he was still he was still playing his game mainly mobile when I oh, wrote this article and everything too. Guess um, real quick is Mike Vick. Oh, that's a good one. Because he changed. He had, he went to he went to what thirty two touchdowns and three interceptions or something with Philly. Yes, when he came back. Now, do you know who the second one was? I was thinking like Alex Smith. I was I like I couldn't I could not put my finger on what that second quarterback. Can, can can give us a hint like what what age are we looking at here? Are we look like what what are the yeah, years? Like he threw yeah. passes to uh to Chris Carter. So I would say Randall Cunningham. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yep. Yeah. Randall Cunningham and. See, Who was not the one we said? Michael Vick. Okay, but Russell Wilson has to be one of them right now. Now you're looking at it now. Yeah. Now I think probably. I mean, I'd have to. I had certain criteria for how many yards rushing you you had per season, and then when that dropped off. Um, so I would have to kind of. I, I don't even know if I still have that com- that computer. Um, <laughs> but I'd have to go back and find out what I put as that threshold because he. Honestly, Russell Wilson might still be considered in the mobile quarterback uh, side yeah. of things for when I was writing that article. I agree with that. I what? think Russell probably eclipses the amount of rushing yards that you would need to say that you've dropped off, you know? Es- especially if we included yards behind the line of scrimmage because, Jesus, <laughs> that dude moves. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but would, would spe- like somebody who has a Cowboys hat on, on every stream, would Dak be a mobile quarterback? In this regard, like if we're just thinking about it, I think he's mobile, but 
were like they've never really schemed for him to run compared uh, well, to they, I I mean like, they don't scheme for Russell too either, right? I th- I think that those two guys are very comparable to one another because I think Dak runs in order to pass the ball. And that's uh, the same sort of thing that we see with Russell Wilson, right? Like even when he's running around like a crazy guy, he's his eyes are downfield the whole time. He's trying to get the ball out of his hands and, and down the field. And he only really tucks and runs if he absolutely has to. And I think Dak's kind of the same way. He, he moves around a lot, um, but he always keeps his eyes down the field and tries to, you know, get the ball out still, even, you know, even though he's kind of running for his life occasionally back there. And, and I don't think mobile quarterback needs to be, like, down to just, like, Lamar Jackson, Mike Vick. Like, I would consider Aaron Rodgers in his prime was a mobile quarterback. Yeah. Oh, Vick yeah. Tony Romo was pretty mobile. Like, Stafford had some, like – I'm saying, like, there's there's non-mobile, which is, like, your 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 older veterans. But I think a lot of, like, the younger talent – like, a lot, of, a lot of the quarterbacks can be mobile. There's a lot – like, Josh Allen is mobile for sure even though he's 6'5 and 280, you know, or whatever he is. I don't know what he is. That's probably a little bit. But I'm just saying, like, there's there's a lot of mobile quarterbacks out there. So I, I definitely would put Dak Prescott in the mobile category, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And I think that's where fantasy quarterbacks are right now. Like, you notice that the first non-mobile quarterback, maybe Matt Stafford in my rankings, is the highest-rated quarterback. But you could say, like, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all of them are near that 10 to 15 range because Dak Prescott can add four lit touchdowns on the on the ground instead of Matt Stafford's one sneak and and Watson and Kyler Murray and all these guys who have like great opportunity passing wise too but it's just that addition to that that rushing it, it's still big and I think that's the trend and we're not going to see the the Peyton Manning 53 touchdowns you know what I mean that that like you, I, I think we need to stop chasing that and we need to understand that you need to be able to get a balance of both. And even Kyler Murray, who didn't have the most elite passing stats last year, finished as what quarterback? Five, six, somewhere in that range. Seven. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, the scoring, <laughs> but it's ten far. yards is one point rushing. Twenty-five yards passing is one point. Right. So, yeah. I mean, the scoring just lends itself so much to those guys that can even just give you a, not the highest, but just a a steady, constant rushing floor. Like it's just it's a whole nother whole nother game, and I've been hearing a lot about uh, my, like I've been hearing a lot about leagues kind of doing away with quarterback Corey. fantasy rushing. So if you do half the points for quarterbacks rushing, you know what I mean. You get one point for every twenty yards, or you know a half. That's point interesting. So then all of a sudden it makes it more about the quarterback position, and the running game is still a bonus for sure, but just. Lamar Jackson doesn't have 500 points. He has 400. You know what I yeah. mean? And McCaffrey's right. Four. So, it's, it's man. It's, I think it's, I might. I like that. I think I might like that even better than the the crazy you know Scott Fishbowl stuff that's that's going on with incompletions and things like that. I think because I think like the the rushing quarterbacks in the Scott Fishbowl are going to be so much out outrageously high higher scorers than. Um, even the just the mediocre sort of passers. So that's that I like that idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm super score. boring with, with scoring. I tend to <laughs> I made the switch to PPR now and I'm like, okay, this is what yeah. I'm doing now. Literally after three or four years of doing podcasts with Carl, I finally got him to switch over to PPR after giving him enough slack about standard leagues. Every time you'd bring up your standard, I'm glad we got your PPR. Now we gotta get you to super <laughs> 
Next next up is Superflex. Once we get you into Superflex, we're good. I can, I can do Superflex. I just oh, like okay. different types of scoring and stuff. So I create so much numbers that I have to have. If I if I change up the scoring, it's like, okay, I have 16 gigabit of data on my cloud with data that I have to now change because somebody's like, yeah, but you get another point per 100 yards. Give me a break. <laughs> you know how much numbers I have to change for that? 100 yards? That like That's just insane. But I'm going to make a segment over to something that would be even more insane. And, and I just thought this was funny when it popped up. And it, it, it's in line with the Patriots talk. And it was that, did y'all see the Twitter stuff going on with Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. and the Patriots? I can't remember who started tweeting at him. Like, oh, uh, I'm no. going to tell you, OBJ is going to end up with the Patriots. And, and OBJ was like, no. I have unfinished business here in Cleveland. And I just want to say, wouldn't it be like kind of cool though with Cam Newton and OBJ on the same team? Kind of cool. Like Not if it's the Patriots. No, of any team. Like just seeing them two together and seeing that like contrast of, I, I don't like pre, prima donna. Ask me again in 2016, and I'll say yes. It'll be exciting to see them in 2020. Having Cam and Odell is just like having a skeleton of the quarterback, and and like you said, a prima donna of the wide receiver. Like that's too much. I, I would the new Patriots wouldn't even know how to handle it. They would just overflow of PR. I could, I couldn't even imagine the uh, post game press conferences between those two. Like that would just be. Too much, because I'm th- like in comparison with like Lamar Jackson and Mark the comedian Ingram. Like oh, Mark man. Ingram is just hilarious on press in press conferences, and I I followed him on his European tour with the around the oh, NFL that was cool. too. Freak, he, he's hilarious. And I, then like, yep. I just tweeted out a, a week ago. I said if I could have one beer with anyone in the NFL, it wouldn't be Matt Stafford. It wouldn't be Kenny Galladay. It'd be Mark Ingram because Mark Ingram is the funniest man in the NFL. He went on GMFB two or two, three years ago. And it was the first time I really saw Mark Ingram outside of a, a uniform. And I was like blown away by how f- he had him and Kyle Brandt's, um, you know, little, uh, you know, conversation between each other was just the funniest thing. I, I was on the floor rolling, rolling. I love Mark Ingram. Okay, so dude, who, who would you get a beer with? Like, that's the one dude in the NFL I would definitely want to have a beer with. For sure. It would be the funniest time ever. <laughs> okay, who would be the last person? And you can't pick, like, oh, the second left tackle on the Bengals. What a good question. Do you, like, at least – it has to be, like, some type of star power to it. Uh, the last person I'd want to have a beer with would be Kyler Murray. Whoa, wow. Like, really? Yeah. Why? Oh, man, every single time I've ever seen him, like, in any press conference, any interview, was everything was just so laid back and, like, relaxed. And that's cool. You know, I'm not nothing wrong with Kyle Murray, but if I want to have a beer with someone, I want to have a good time. And I feel like he would just sit there probably on his phone and not say much and smirk a couple times. And that would be that. That would be it, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's not what I want, man. <laughs> See, I was actually going to say, uh, I was thinking Nick Foles. Like, there's just, I don't know if there's another dude that that is quite so, like, the, the, the embodiment of mayonnaise as, as Nick Foles is. It would be a, 
I love, I love mayonnaise. <laughs> What's the attack on mayonnaise? Because I'll tell you, uh, this is going to be story time as it always is. This is weird. I, I probably had, but I hadn't realized until 2016, I'd never had mayonnaise that I was like with something. Until my friend like, oh, you can have it with fries. We were on a road trip in the U.S. and he's like, mayonnaise oh. and fries? I'm like, what are you, what's going on? It blew my freaking mind. Mm. Then my wife put it on sandwiches. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> mayonnaise? What is happening? I've never experienced that. So and 2016, you know, and mayo. Yeah, I'm. How old was I? 2016, like 25. <laughs> oh my it. god. I wish I could I could taste that first for the first time when I was 26. Oh my god, dude! I love mayonnaise, real mayonnaise though. Don't get no Miracle Whip. That's 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 nasty. Uh, like the Dukes. Got to get. Right, so real- I used the wrong uh, 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 comparison then for Foles with you two. Jesus. <laughs> that's why we call it the fantasy football rabbit hole because now we're in a full on rabbit hole about mayonnaise. Where does where, like what to do with it? Which one to use? Because I'm like, for me, it's like Ezekiel Elliott. He's like mayonnaise. I'm like, yes, give him the ball. Put me on everything. <laughs> the, the question that is asked in uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War is by um, Hawkeye's daughter, who says, "Who puts mayonnaise on a hot dog?" And that's the real question: Do you put mayonnaise on a hot dog? I vote uh, yes. No. Yeah, no. tried it. It's not bad. It's not bad in any way. Not bad. Oh, it's delicious. uh, First time I had chili on a hot dog was 2016. Also blew my mind. You hadn't had a chili dog until 25? Mm -hmm. Never even thought about putting chili on it. Um, Now um, now I'm sad. Now I'm sad for you. But I think the last person... 24 years of missing out. Oh, it's it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The the last person I would would grab... um, I'm not going to pick a player. I'm going to get Jason Garrett because I feel like he would be like, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're the right kind of guy. Like, yes, I, I know. It's not good joke, Carl. Good joke. Okay. Can we, can you say something? Mm-hmm. Everything's <laughs> slightly supportive, but kind of. You like, don't know what's it. happening. He's just <laughs> like, what? what's, what's, and then like, I, I'd rather have it be Bill Belichick because it's overly critical. Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. And maybe, yeah. maybe not have a second beer, Carl. I feel like Bill cuts loose, though. I feel like Bill will cut loose if you get him like on the boat. You know what I mean? Like we've seen in those docks, like, he's like smiling, drinking some wine. I'm like, let's go, Bill. I'm all right. Like he's got a sneaky party side. A little bit, I think so. You know yeah. what I mean? Good party with Gronk. I see. I oh, I, would... no, I can't. I can't hang with Gronk. No, oh, I, no. I know better. <laughs> no, I'm not Bill checking him. Oh. <laughs> I think Robert Kraft can party more with than with Gronk than than Bill Belichick, but they aren't going to be partying together anymore, are they? Bruce Arians, yeah. Temple—that's a different kind of party, anyway. Going to Temple, Kenny, Kenny Rogers. No, but we do have a question from the chat, though, uh, or uh, not so much of a question, but more of a statement. Uh, Dalvin Cook, AA in the chat says, "Don't pay Dalvin Cook; he sucks." Uh, I think I, I, I kind of like Dalvin Cook going into this year. Well, how do you all feel about him? Philip, you can start us out, brother. Man, Dalvin Cook does not suck. I will say that much. He's 
He's a stud. I think if he plays, you know, 14 games, even he doesn't even need a full 16. He is a top guy in fantasy. Um, he, he just, he's, he's one of the few three down backs that we still have left that we've seen be a dynamic runner. And we have seen be dynamic in the passing game. Uh, you know, give you a little, a little uh, sneak preview. He had the third highest uh, consistency score uh, in my using my metric at 7.41. Again, my consistency score, I can go into the nerdy part of it later if you want, but it ranks not only consistency, but high output consistency. So the higher the number, the more likely the player is to score high usable fantasy football points. And Cook was a stud. His 7.4 is fantastic among all the skill positions, not just running backs also. Um, and and I think that in all facets of the game, he's going to contribute. You don't have to worry about game script. You don't have to worry about what, you know, if it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter, nothing like that. He's just going to produce. And so I want to see him play. I want to see him get paid. He's at a position that has a short shelf life. I get it. Um, and he's shown that when he's healthy and on the field, he's worth every dollar. So that's that, that's my personal belief. Yeah, I'm I like Delvin Cook a lot, right? So Delvin Cook, one of the best, most phenomenal running backs in the NFL when healthy. Top five, easily. When healthy is key. And and as much as consistency will tell you how good he is when he's on the field, when he's not on the field, you're not gonna get much out of him. That's the toughest thing. And and I don't blame AA for, for maybe having some hard feelings on him because he may have got him two years in a row and spent high capital on him to get him and got burnt by him. And maybe didn't go for him last year. And now he's just all in a roller coaster turned around looking <laughs> back. And it happens. It right. happens to everyone. I, I can't blame him for that because every single fantasy player owner has been out there. The thing with Delvin Cook is this, though. He is holding out. And anytime in the last three years, the running back says they're holding out and they're, they're re- represented as one of the top five running backs at the time, it's very scary. Not one of them comes out succeeding. Le'Veon Bell did very well after a holdout, and he, but he, he started out like three games with, with very poor stats. Zeke did all right last year with a long holdout. Um, and, and more and more running backs are getting to the point where they aren't going to play. And this season alone would be the season that Delvin Cook shouldn't play, right? Yeah. This would be the season that Delvin Cook should not play because of COVID. So now all of this is leaning towards Alex Madison, who has already represented himself as one of the most elite backup running backs in the NFL. I think Minnesota knows that. I think they know how good he is, and they have no problem with Mike Boone as well. These, All these are red flags. And for Delvin Cook to be having an ADP of 106 yeah. right now, seven, it's ballsy in my opinion. It's, it's to a point where I would rather have Josh Jacobs. I would rather have Joe Mixon. I would not rather have Miles Sander, Austin Eckler. I probably would make that scoop at Delvin. But if I see Delvin in the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, I'll probably go for him. If I'm anywhere before the 10th pick, even if Delvin's on the board, I'm not going for him. I'll try to I'll try to place my bets elsewhere this year. I'm 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 just there's a there's a lot of red flags. Now to get to the point where he sucks. No, I mean Delvin <laughs> Cook is again one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. He's on a team. They've just lost Stefan Diggs. That's going to mean that they're going to rely even more on their running game than they have. And they've already yep. been. You already said it, too, is he is one of the few bell cow running backs left when he's on the field. But there's a lot of reasons that I think he might not make it. And I'm not predicting that he won't make it into the field. But when there's that many red flags and it's that high of a draft capital, I'm almost OK with being burnt 
on not drafting him and taking a chance on someone else. I, I really Absolutely. like him for all the reasons y'all have already said, and I really am scared of him for all the reasons y'all already said. I didn't. <laughs> I. It's Sorry, just, we didn't leave you much. Kirk yeah, Cousins, we didn't talk about him. I'll, no, I love it. <laughs> You covered everything. I'm just going to add that I think that he has a fantastic one-game ceiling, too. You talked about consistency, but he's also, when he has a good game, he even outscores somebody like Derrick Henry on a one-game like one game upside level on in, in my rankings with 26.8 points in PPR compared to Derrick, Derrick Henry's 26.3. And I don't know what your consistency score is for Derrick Henry, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But my floor for Henry on a uh, any given week is five points, while Damon Cook is 11. So not only is he outscoring him on a ceiling level, he's also having twice as high of a floor. Um, and we have one final question. I'm going to just chime in before we get to your numbers, Phil. And Melo asks, for PPR, who would be your top three picks? Just smack them out real quick and uh, and and let us know. I, I can start. I have uh, right now, I have Christian McCaffrey due to Ezekiel Elliott's uh, COVID status, followed by Saquon Barkley. And then I haven't really decided on my on my third one, but it's, it's probably going to be Seek over Camara. Are we yeah, just talking you, running back? Yes. Or just all can, together? All together if you want. Well, definitely CMC. Um, he's number one, no matter what. I think I'm actually cool with Zeke um, at number two. Him having COVID right now is, this is going to sound horrible, uh, kind of great because it's like it's not like he's getting it in August or September when games are starting, right? If he's going to get it, you you almost want the players to get it now and get over it and be able to to hopefully, we hope, have those antibodies and they might be, studs come the season but then i think i'm going if if we're going all you know any position i think i've got to then put michael thomas at number three when we're talking about ppr formats because that dude's just gonna gonna get pummeled with targets yet again nick top three real quick dmc saquon barkley michael thomas i think michael thomas is uh is a great one to to put in there and i think you can make a case for any of these three in any order you want but uh, they should definitely be in the conversation all the time. But uh, we have 25 minutes left, and on this show, it's tradition to uh, leave as little time as possible for the weekly topic. <laughs> so it's time to get into it. And today, as we have Philip Caldwell here as our guest, we're going to be talking about consistency we all have different views on what consistency means in terms of fantasy scoring. Uh, I, for instance, have my floor rankings showcasing the least amount of points uh, you should expect from a player on his bad weeks. Uh, and what, what what does it mean to you? And what is the story behind the consistency? So for me, when we're talking about fantasy football, right, There's there's consistently bad players and then there's consistently good players. And I really wanted to find a way to make a metric that could tell the difference, not just not just consistent, but consistently good fantasy players. And I was looking at things. I saw, you know, there's plenty of plenty of consistency metrics out there. Um, fantasy footballers got one. You know, you were talking about Bob Lung's got his guide. 
all these guys, they've got good stuff out there. They're taking a look at things. I had a problem with almost all of them that I saw because a lot of times it talks about like, okay, they were a top 10 running back this many weeks out of the season. Well, that's cool. But a top 10 running back, that's a completely different criteria in week one than it is week two. So your math for how you're judging consistency changes every single week. It, it was confusing me that basically they were talking about consistency in an inconsistent way. Um, (laughs) So I, I, I thought about that. I didn't like it. I kind of, I couldn't come up with anything that I did like though. So I let it go for a minute and then I started becoming an accountant and, uh, <laughs> <Feel you. laughs> everything's di- different when you go from being a professional musician to an accountant. Um, and I went back and there was this, there was something that I learned for financial analysis called the coefficient of variation. And I, I use it now more for finance by taking different mutual funds or different packages with stocks or something like that. And it's a way to create, it's, it's like, you, you know, they talk about comparing apples and oranges. The coefficient of variation is basically a stat where you can take apples and oranges and turn them all into pineapples. So you can compare pineapple to pineapple to pineapple, if that makes sense. And I realized, holy crap, I can use that. So I use the coefficient of variation, the player's actual fantasy output and their maximum, as you would say, their ceiling. And I boil all of that into a a nice, you know, nerdy formula. And that pumps out my consistency score. And the reason why I love this is one, my math never changes. We just add more numbers to it. The math formula stays the same week in, week out, season after season. It's always consistent. Number two, using the coefficient of variation, I can boil down all of the fantasy outputs into this thing, which means my consistency score is comparable across positions. So if you got a flex decision and you don't know if you should put in a wide receiver that you have projected out to be the 16th wide receiver that week or a running back that you have projected out to be the 18th running back that week, how does that compare? Well, guess what? My consistency score is comparable across positions. So, you know, you're looking at the guy with the higher consistency score is the more likely higher performer that week. That's what I love about it. Also, a fun thing is then I started applying it to defensive uh, defensive points allowed to positions. And so I also am going to have on Pro Football Network basically a weekly ranking of defensive points allowed per position based on the consistency score metric as well. So there it's going to show you not just average points allowed to the position, but who's ever, you know, who is on the regular allowing a high amount of uh, fantasy points to which position. Oh, I, I, I love that. I do. I do that with the score projection where I, I calculate the most, the points given up to a certain position. And then I adjust for the last three weeks as well to make sure that, you're not just going because the Dolphins were terrible in the beginning of the season. Right. They're terrible at the end of the season. But I do have a question, though, with the consistency, mm-hmm. for, like with fantasy and and anything really with you're talking about stocks and stuff like that. But in fantasy for mainly, if I'm better than you on the week I'm playing you, I'm going to beat you. It doesn't matter as much if I'm consistently good compared to if I'm really good, really, really good eight weeks 
and I win eight games, but I'm consistently decent and lose all of my games. How do you account for something like that? Are your teams consistently average or are they consistently above average? Or do you see what type of trends do you see with the numbers? And have you done any spot checking where you only draft your highest ranked consistent player and see how that team performs? I, I've actually, so I'm going to hit the end of your question first. Yes, I had done it. Uh, I did it in a, you know, a random NFL league one year where I made every single decision from draft day to trades to free agency pickups, all based on the consistency score. And I did actually win that league. Now it was a random league with a bunch of, with, you know, 11 other random people. So who knows how much they were involved. Um, but that was sort of my one real life test case that I did with it. Um, Just to chime in there, I think that is the best test because most people play in those type of leagues. Very few people play in all analytics, like analysts. Right, right. <laughs> you want to have something that's applicable to uh, uh, an office league, a family league, a friends league. You're not going to have 12 friends who spend four hours a day analyzing fantasy numbers in most cases. You need to get new friends if that's the case. <laughs> I mean, we can, I usually like, if I play at my office, we're like four out of 12 that are super nerds and then four who are nerds and then four who are like, I'm just here to, so I don't get fined. No. <laughs> yeah. No, but so yeah, that was, that was fun. I, I did enjoy doing that. And it, it, it was, it was interesting because I had to get players that I really wouldn't do on my personal team, you know, with my friends that I had. So it was interesting, but uh, it was, it was also a little bit redeeming. Um, the other thing is with the coefficient of variation, the, the more consistent a player is no matter what, right. The more consistent a player is, be it 10 points every week, be it three points every week, be it 18 to 16 points every week, the coefficient of variation, the more consistent anything is that you're using it to measure, the closer it gets to zero. So if you take that and you take any number and divide it by something close to zero, that number goes up, right? So if I'm taking actual fantasy output and I'm dividing it by something that gets closer and closer to zero, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's what I'm saying with the consistency score. The higher the number, the higher the average, like the normal fantasy output that that player is giving you. So it's not just measuring like, this player is always within this range. It's saying like, boom, you can clearly see this player is always within this range, whereas these guys are always down here. So you can use this consistency score to say not only who are the good players, like, cause that's easy, right? If we just look at the end of year rankings or the average fantasy points per game, it tells you some of the story, but this is sort of filling in that middle piece. This is saying like, yeah, this guy might not have had the highest average fantasy points per game, but if you look, he was usually scoring higher than that other guy because his consistency score is higher by 0.3 points or something like that. So that's where I think it's really helpful is because it is showing you the high performing consistency. No, that, ma that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I know you, you talked, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I don't, I don't really remember what you called it, but a fantasy guide, ish 
Oh, uh, yeah. And I wanted to know more like what consistency is, collection. Yeah. What is what is included in that and where can people find it and like how much can they get it for and, and things of that nature before we start getting into some more players? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's on Amazon. So if you've got a Kindle, it is $9.99. If you want the paperback version, it's $10.99. And if you are subscribed to Amazon's Kindle Unlimited, you can download it right to your Kindle for free already. So um, that's where it's at. Um, real easy to find. Just search, you know, fantasy football consistency or fantasy football consistency collection. It's going to pop up. You can search my name too, Philip Caldwell. Um, it's literally the only thing I've ever published. So it should be quick to easy, to quick to find. In that though, it is chock full of way too much information, maybe. <laughs> so real quick, the easiest thing that I have on there the very first thing that I have on there is the 2019 rankings. So it shows you all player, all the players that I ranked in 2019, by the way, 250 plus players ranked and it shows them by position, what they were ranked or what their consistency score was and what that ranks within the, within their position. So it goes all the quarterbacks, all the tight ends, all the running backs, all the wide receivers, by their ranking and consistency score. No, no, exactly what that no kickers? Score is. No, kickers. no kickers. I'm sorry. You're not, are, are you president I'm of done. the Kickers Lives Matters Club? We, or? We, we've told you that it t- it's taken them until 2020 to get from standard to PPR. He'll be kicking <laughs> until 2040. I, until they remove the field goal, I'm going to keep keep doing I probably should actually include kickers because I I'm curious as to how they would even pan out I don't know like that seems like such a random I'm telling you picking up young Hoku last year gold gold (laughs) give kickers the respect they deserve and they'll freaking win you fantasy leagues I'm telling like it's you don't even need to spend a lot of time on it if you spend an hour you're spending an hour more than anybody else (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. CD Carter, Danny Carter, he does he does a whole uh, oh, yeah, we're, podcast or something about it, doesn't he? We've been friends on Twitter for uh, pretty much since I started due to the kicker <laughs> to the kicker thing. <laughs> he's a good dude. He's he's provided a lot of feedback. I really like the guy, but it amazes me that he writes about kickers once a week. Um <laughs> Join the Let's kicker see what club. else is in the guy. Oh, you have something, Nick? Yeah, what, what was that? You said something, Nick. I didn't hear you. Uh, I was gonna say something funny a while ago. I don't remember what it. Oh, I was gonna say, he, when you said Philip Caldwell, I was gonna say, and is that a relation to Jim Caldwell or Philip Rivers? <laughs> I could be one of Philip Rivers' sons. Who knows? That's that dude's cool. got so many. <laughs> I don't or... think the verdict is out on that one yet, right now. <laughs> All right, was... but see, he spells it wrong. He only uses one L. It should be Philip with two L's. I was going to ask if you're part of the one L crew, but if you, no. if you have two L's, then I don't know if you'll be, you know. Two yeah, L's. two L's all the way. One L's, those guys are weird. Is you and Philip uh, Lindsay? That's right. I was so go. excited when I saw that he spelled it right. <laughs> it made me so confused. I'm like, why am I, why is it not working when I was trying to put his name in my algorithm? And it took me yeah. a <laughs> long ass time to figure that out. Yep, I loved watching him play, and then I saw that he spelled his name right, and I was I was on board. Have you Talk- have you had a uh, a player that just like shined in your consistency con- collection uh, that you've put out? Like, how long have you been putting it out for? I'm sorry. So it started uh, three years ago, and I was just keeping track of quarterbacks and defensive points allowed to kind of test it almost. And uh, back in the day, two QBs.com was still a thing. 
And I pitched it to them. And so we started putting it on their website and writing about it. Last year, I expanded it to all of the position players. And I started keeping track of it on uh, medium.com and Google Sheets. And I was just sharing it out with people. This year, it's going to be going, it's, we're moving to the Pro Football Network. We are putting everything into pretty tables. So it's all looks nice. You got a player picture, you got their stats. It's going to be great. Um, not only that, but I've been working with the guys at Pro Football Network. I've now got consistency scores for 2019, 2018, 2016, 20, all going all the way back to 2015. So you can see which players are on the regular really scoring high. You pair that with their OSM met- metric, and I think you're going to be able to really have a, a, an awesome insight into what players are doing, not just for their fantasy team, but just on their own um, in football. And so if a player changes teams or something like that, you have a reasonable expectation of what that player is going to contribute on a new team too. It's going to be awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, so this will be, did you have, did you have a player that you've, did you have a player that you've zoned in on over as you've done the backlog or I don't know what to call it, the, you know, going back in time and looking at the history, do you have a player that has been consistently consistent and, uh, I want to know, it's fun that Nick brought him up. Where is Philip Rivers ranking with your consistency score? Because in my opinion, he's the most consistently average fantasy player out there. Uh, last year, he was tied for 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, a little Pretty bit of average. a rough season last year. Uh, 5.9 was tied with Jimmy Garoppolo, actually, for, for that. Garoppolo, was, you know statistically wise was probably a little bit more consistent than rivers, but just neither one of them had a really great fantasy ceiling. Right. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's where he, uh, he actually is a little bit on the back end from 2019. Uh, if I'm looking through history, I mean, obviously Michael Thomas dude's been a stud. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has been a leader, you know, since really breaking into this. And then one guy that people are, you know, kind of forgot a little bit of uh, just because last season feels not so great was Devontae Adams. Um, He had an outrageous consistency score in 2018 and his even having a lower consistency score in 2019 or 2019, sorry, um, at 5.8, that was still top 12 among all wide receivers. It's a big drop off from his ridiculous 14.95 that he had in 2018. But that 14.95 was just, I mean, that was through the roof. For example, uh, let's see, Michael Thomas led in 2019, and his consistency score was only 10.25 this last year. So the, the idea that Devontae Adams was going to repeat at a 14 was outrageous, but the fact that he's still in a down year is a top 12 wide receiver in that, in that metric, I think really goes to show you he's still one of the top guys no matter what. And now, you know, Green Bay did nothing to help him, uh, to help uh, Aaron Rodgers with weapons. So we know that Devontae Adams is still going to get pummeled with targets. He's still going to be one of the top wide receivers in fantasy football. So where yeah, do you the- have – I'm sorry, go ahead, Nick. I was just going to say, Devontae Adams led the league last year in red zone targets, 24, 27. He also led the league uh, in targets from the 20 to 11-yard line with 18 of them. He's going to be plummeted with not only targets, 
but those red zone targets, which is where he made his name known, even with Jordy Nelson, the team, Devontae Adams being the number two, had a ton of red zone targets. He had a lot of drops his first year, too. But once he found his 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 own zone, he's been very consistent. And that's why he's probably better than Julio Jones in PPR Fantasy this year. And I would put him, two behind Thomas with Julio a close three. But they're all 1A, B, and C for me with Tyree Kill bringing in the cleanup spot. But uh, I love Devontae Adams, and I'm glad you brought him up. He is consistent. And, 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 and like, like you just said, Carl, Everything here, like like the where Devin Cook had all the red flags, all there's you know, just green flags for him right now. Like this is a second year in the offense with the floor. Rogers might be pissed off that they went and drafted Love and might like play a little bit better. Um, I don't know. I'll ask his twin. I'll ask his twin Philip here after the show, um, trying to get me the inside scoop. But uh, yeah, I love oh, yeah. Aaron I love Devonta Adams this year. Most of. I would like to chime in on that red zone stat too. He his success rate in the red zone, meaning scoring a touchdown per target, is only seventeen percent. Uh, that's the low uh, second lowest of any top wide receiver. Only Cortland Sutton had a lower success rate in the red zone, and it's so much lower than what he's usually at, uh, around like 30 percent. So we should see some positive regression with probably two to three more red zone touchdowns next year because he does have 25% of the red zone targets of the team. So, And just for context purposes, how many targets did Cortland Sutton have in comparison to Devontae Adams? He you know, only like, had – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, is that a difference of 24 targets and, like, 10 targets? Because then, like, the difference of two touchdowns and, you know, I just don't know what Sutton's – Yeah, uh, he had 19 and Devontae 18. So they, oh, were, okay. they were right next to each other. And then you can look at somebody like – uh, Kenny Galladay, who had 40% success rate. That's not totally bonkers, but like Amari Cooper had 56% success rate on nine targets. Uh, AJ Brown had 50% success rate at eight targets. You can't really sustain that. You cannot sustain that. Like you're talking about consistency. If we're looking at the negative regression, bringing back the person to the mean, if you're at between 25 to 35, you can probably stay there. When you start getting up in the 40s and 50s, you're probably going to regress a little bit back. So I think Amari Cooper is somebody, if he doesn't see more red zone targets, I don't think he's scoring five touchdowns in the red zone next year, Like especially with C.D. Lamb joining that crew too. Yeah. Um, Amari Cooper is already a guy that that is huge red flags for me. I mean, if we're talking consistency, he's he's 22nd among all wide receivers. I mean, that dude is – he hurts your team as much as he helps your team. And now, like you mentioned, C.D. Lamb is there. Like, there's no way Cooper is going to keep up that that uh, high of a rate of success. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I even have him he, lower than that. He's like that Phillip Rivers where at the end of every year you'll be like, look, he's a top 12 receiver. Maybe not top 12, but like where Phillip Rivers, you'll be like, look, he's a top 12 quarterback. But but it's like the the guys who owned him all year are six and six, you know what I mean? And exactly. like in the playoffs and scoring eighty to ninety points a game. And Amari Cooper might get you two touchdowns and one hundred and thirty yards a game, you know, or for for a game. But then the next game with his thirty yards, it's just going to be tough. Like that's why you don't always want to look at like the the final stats in making these predictions. You want to be looking at these consistency stats and see, okay, well, just because he finishes great at the end of the year, does that actually? result in victories for fantasy football not always right he and scores 28 like above his average when he plays at home like that is nuts and then one, in he high, did. and he those, the flip side 28 below the average end of season. he was a uh, end of season in half point ppr he was ranked ninth for end of season yeah. but 
like I said, 22nd in consistency score. And, and one of the things that I include in the consistency collection is a weekly scoring of all the wide receivers. And I'm looking at his weekly scoring right now. It's only week two, 12 points. Week three, 23. Week four, seven. Week five, 34. Week six, 0. 0.8. I mean. <laughs> that was the Jets game, right? Good it's, God. <laughs> that that was the, a roller coaster for your number know, one wide receiver. That was the Mike Evans effect last year. It was just up and down. It was the roller coaster of emotions. You never you wanted to start him, but when and then if you fell into the wrong where you over tried to get cute with it and bench him, you benched him on all the wrong weeks and start him on all the right, you know, or whatever. Yep. You know, like, it's it's a headache. It creates gray hair, and that's why you don't want consi- you know inconsistent players because that's how I, was t- I always tell people that's how you go bald playing fantasy football, getting players that make you tear your hair out. If you can just co- you know get through your week and and know that these guys are going to put up these points um, at least as a, as a, as a high floor, like we're we're good to go. You know, I'm just I'm just showing if you trust the numbers, this is how your hair comes. <laughs> that's right. Look yeah. look at all this hair. Look, I haven't look, gotten a haircut in three months. I can't get it to go away. No, but. <laughs> We do have a um, bootleg fantasy wants to know where Jarvis Landry ranks uh, in your consistency score. Uh, he was a guy that actually uh, surprised me. Let me pull him up. I have him Sorry. while you're pulling him up. I have him on my floor rankings, meaning the least amount of points I expect from a players on his bad week in PPR sixth after Michael Thomas, Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julian Edelman, Julio, and then Jarvis. I've got him in that range, but a little bit lower, ninth. So Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, John Brown, DJ Moore, Hopkins, Keenan Allen had a surprisingly good year still. Um, so Devontae Parker and then Jarvis Landry. Yeah, so I he's for actually, the last three years, so it 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 shifts a little slower for me uh, to gotcha. not get Devontae Parker hype fever. Yeah, I'm just this one's is just 2019 for me. So I totally get if I his 2018 was atrocious. Um but Jarvis Landry really like had a sneaky good fantasy season. I mean, and he always does. Uh he just he's kind of one of those guys where you can always bank on that volume and there's very few wide receivers unlike running backs where you can say that you can always bank on their volume beyond obviously the guys you know, like A.J. Green in his prime, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, those guys you can always bank on volume. But Landry is a guy that really, I mean, I think he capitalized on Odell Beckham not being Odell Beckham last year. Um, and so it, I was he was one of the guys who really did kind of surprise me when I got all of this said and done and seeing where he ended up in consistency score. He's got to be one of the most consistent players for sure. I mean, he he just goes out, goes out there and does his job every day, and it's awesome. He's definitely the number one wide receiver with the number eighty and above. There's no more receivers with the with the number eighties anymore. You know what I mean? He's number one. Tyler Boyd is number two. Michael Gallup three. I think that's about it. Like it's kind of crazy. He's the best wide receiver with the number eighty. And Dude, strict seven number eighty. Well, no, just eighty. <laughs> 80s, 80s, the whole 80s. Okay, okay, okay. I'm giving CD Lamb 88 again, so there get ready. Go. Yep, there's the new one. Yeah. Oh, f- oh, it worries me. It worries me so much. <laughs> CD Lamb say- was the only. I'm sorry, CD Lamb was the only wide receiver in the first four rounds. I think like that, like uh, like uh, what was it? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I might have a stat wrong. I'm not gonna say it on here. Never mind. Go on. What were you saying? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm saying that it's I'm so as a Cowboys fan, I'm scared to death. Like because now it's so such a hype about CD Lamb. Like we got him before the Eagles. Like, yeah, he's gonna suck, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like I just just the pessimist of like we're just we get hype every year. I, I don't know if you've seen Scooter Magruder on on YouTube. He does the the post game show for Cowboys, like how we feel throughout the games, and it's like Every game, we're like, if we win, he ends every episode with, we're winning the Super Bowl. And that's how I feel. <laughs> and then next week, like, oh, yeah, we lost again. Yeah, whatever. And then we win against the Browns and, or freaking Dolphins. I'm like, we're winning the Super Bowl. It's just. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I, it doesn't surprise me that Cowboy fans are a little bit more excited that they grab that wide receiver right ahead of the, uh, of the Eagles after the Dallas Goddard um debacle right after Jason Witten retired. Like they've got to, they've got to, you know, redeem themselves a little bit. Cause that had to sting. That had to sting the year. You really need that young talented tight end and the Eagles jump in front of you guys for Goddard. Oh God. That it was, was brutal. It was. And then wit like freaking retiring in the, in, like during the draft and you're sitting there like, what the, what is happening? What, what is going on right now? And, Am I losing my mind? Uh, and it's been consistent as a Cowboys fan for the last. So that, like that's that's that ties into the show. It's the same with Lions. Consistent pain. Yep. Oh, the Lions. <laughs> at least, at least we have a team in our cities. I know you're moving. Ouch! Ouch. <laughs> Damn. I that's have better. To- that's better. Be forced to like a team like the Detroit Lions. You know what I mean? Like you're not forced. In, you're not born into lionhood, one pride hood. Like you, you get to pick no. a little more. Like you know, you this team. It, it, I will say it was liberating for fantasy. It, yeah. it makes Sundays less fun. You know, I don't have a personal team to go out and root for, but it has been liberating for fantasy purposes. I will give you that. Sundays aren't that fun. Your team's going two and fourteen. I promise you. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. No, but before we sign off, please uh, plug plug your shit again, uh, Phil. Before we we sign off this show. Thank you, thank you. Um, again, please follow me at Dumpster Dive FF on Twitter. Um, hit my hit up me on uh, Amazon. Search Philip Caldwell. Search Consistency Collection. Um, search fantasy football consistency, but you can get the consistency guide on ebook for $9.99, paperback $10.99, or it's free if you're on Kindle Unlimited. It's got write-ups on 250 players, uh, more than 250 players, which, by the way, is more write-ups than I needed to do because what can you write up about Bo Scarborough at that point? Um, but oh, awesome. it's got everything Let's that you could play up a whole other podcast ready because I'm ready to talk about Bo Scarborough for an hour. I can now. talk about Bo. He he should have been I, our RB three. I uh, loved him coming out of the coming out of the draft. It's just for 2019, there's not much to say. Um, I mean, he had like two good games. They yeah. were they were But it's hard to write about just two games. True. Like I said, I love Bo Scarborough. I hope he goes to a team that'll actually use him. But I mean, behind Zeke, it's kind of. Mm, um, the name is just fantastic. Yes. So, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. 
And then also consistency collection is going to be kept up to date in season, all season long at profootballnetwork.com where I'm also going to be writing. So please guys follow me there. Please buy the consistency collection. I'm telling you, it is a, an incredible useful tool for your draft and the, on pro football network, the defensive positions allowed consistency score is going to be key to setting your matchups. Fantastic. And I'm going to plug some stuff too. Uh, I would like to remind you to hit the like button for the show and please share on social media as always. And if you want more fantasy content now here on the YouTube channel, it's going to be one video every day starting today. So tomorrow it's a fantasy snapshot video and we're going to be focusing on wide receivers moving forward with Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Nick just gone. Uh, we have Kenny Galladay and Cooper Cup to start off this July of one video every day. And uh, we talked about kickers a little bit on Monday. There's another article on CSDFantasy.com with kicker ceilings. Who is the kicker who uh, gives you the best opportunity to win a single game? And please re- leave a review on your favorite source for podcasts. Maybe Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. But Thank you so much, Phil, for coming on. Truly appreciate it. Nick, thank you as always. Signing off for the Fantasy Rabbit Hole is Nick Faber, Philip Caldwell, our guest, and CST Fantasy. Till next time. What a nice picture.